0: Let's pray, and then we're going to go back to the word, looking at the life of Christ. Father, thank you so much for just allowing us the opportunity not only to look at your word, Lord, but that you would be gracious to provide your spirit for us to understand it. The same spirit that had Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to write about Jesus' life is the same spirit who helps us to learn. And so, Lord, we pray that, that we would learn it, but also that that same spirit would be doing a work in us to change us, that we would continue to be conformed to be like the image of Jesus. Lord, that we would look like him, that we would live for him, that we would desire him. That we would be all about Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that you would guide my mind and my heart and my lips, that I'd only speak this morning what you've ordained for us to learn from your spirit. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. This morning, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 27. If you don't have a Bible and you need a Bible, we're going to look at... uh, this chapter, we would love for you to have the opportunity to open in your own Bible. So if you need one, we do have some available on the side table here in the back. And you are welcome to grab those. Keep them they're for you to keep, keep. Put your name in it. You can take it home with you. We've been going through the life of Jesus. And many of the stories that we've talked about, you've heard before. Many of the things that we discuss as far as themes, you have heard before. We started with his birth and how it had been prophesied. We talked about how he went into ministry how that ministry contained elements of teaching and healing and then he came to his his great ministry of of dying for us and that's where we left off we left off with the story where Jesus was slaughtered he was taken and he was He was nailed after being whipped and flogged and beaten and spat on and completely humiliated after a a false trial. And and all that happened, he was put on the cross and it's it's been a while since we've been in the story. So we just we kind of left it there. And the sad part would be this, if, if we left Jesus on the cross. We would have no hope because what he did on the cross was significant and certainly every week when we're in church and when we when we get together for bible says yes that is a focal point of everything that goes on in life and all of history was jesus and the sacrifice he made on the cross dying in our place instead of you and instead of me giving his life for yours and in exchange he took his holiness and he put it upon us. We who were wicked and we were sinners. That is that is fundamental to our faith. But if we left Jesus on the cross, we'd be without hope. It's like if you went and you filled up your car with gasoline. And you put all that gasoline into your gas tank and it sat there. And, and what you have in your gas tank is what? Potential. Right. But that gas doesn't do a thing until it's ignited, until something goes and, 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 and makes the promise of what that gas was go into effect. And so until you have a spark, until you have a system that causes that gasoline to take effect, it's hopeless for you to go anywhere. That gas needs the completion, right? And so Jesus, when he died on the cross, if he was left there, we wouldn't have the completion. But fortunately for us, before Jesus died, The scriptures and Jesus himself, the prophets and the Messiah all said the servant, the Messiah would die. But after three days, he would raise again. He wasn't going to be kept in the grave and he wasn't going to be kept on the cross. Jesus Christ would raise again and that would be the ignition. That would be the spark that would light the potential. He wasn't just one who went out with promises. He was one who would come through with fulfillment. And so as we talk about the life of Christ, this greatest part is that he rose from the dead. And that's what we're going to look at today. Now, after Jesus died, the scripture says, and if you look earlier than where we're going to be today in Matthew chapter 27, it says that Jesus was taken down off the cross by some people who loved him. Joseph of Arimathea, who was a rich guy and we also know Nicodemus from the book of John who loved Jesus. He had been converted. Uh, he would been a Pharisee, but Jesus saved him here. They take Jesus body and they wrap it and they care for it. And they go and they stick it in a tomb and not just any tomb. It says that Joseph of Arimathea, who had money, he had his own tomb that had been hewn out in the rock nearby. And yet he gave his tomb. No one had ever been laid in it. So they take Jesus' body, they care for it, wrap it up, put all the spices that they need to, wash it as they should, and they, they slip it into Joseph's tomb. But it's important that no body had ever been laid there. There was, there was no other mummy in that tomb. There were no other stacks of bones in that place. What they used to do is they would prepare a body, they'd put it into that tomb, and it would take a year for that body to decompose. After that year, the family would go back to the tomb and they would collect the bones that were still left there and they'd put them in a box and they would put them into the wall and you would have a family tomb so that after a year, if, uh, people would, ha- would, would have their bones put in the wall and everybody after time, you would have your family in the walls with their bones. But no one had ever been laid in that tomb. There were, there were no bones, there was no body to mistake for Jesus. And so Jesus is laid into this tomb. And then we come to the story that we're in today in Matthew chapter 27. It says this in verse 62 of Matthew 27. It says, The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said while he was alive, After three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he's risen from the dead and the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. So these people, while Jesus is still dead, they remember what Jesus had said. That after three days, he would rise again. So they go to Pilate, the governor, the one who had said, yeah, go ahead and crucify him. They go to Pilate and they say, hey, this guy. He was an imposter. That word just stuck out to me when I was studying this. He's an imposter. You know what they're saying? He's a liar. This one that we saw do miracles, this one who taught with authority, this one who has now given up his life for us. He is a fraud. And we have been against him. We don't. We don't want there to be any type of fraud or fake or counterfeit. And so we want you to make sure that there's no lie. There's no scheming here. We want you to secure the tomb. And so not only had there been a large stone rolled into place but Pilate, by his authority seals up the tomb and has guards sent to go guard that place. Why? Because they thought Jesus was an imposter. Now, if Jesus was a fake, if all this was just a story, we're in trouble. If resurrection is not real, then we are in big trouble. If he was just an imposter and not the way, the truth and the life. It's just gasoline sitting in the tank. You know, I was reading just this morning of a story. There was a family that had this cat. And the cat had gone missing for several days. It had been three or four days and the cat was missing. And so one day they were up the road from their house and they saw their cat. And the cat was flat. The cat had gotten run over. And so they went and they carefully took the cat. And they, they went and they buried it. And they, you know, they do what family do, families do with the cat. I mean, they were, they were sad for their cat. They buried the cat. The very next day, they hear something. They hear something at the door. And they go and they, they open the door. And lo and behold, there was their cat. You see, the dead one was an imposter. <laughs> they found the wrong cat on the road. Their cat was still alive. And, and in these instances, there's, there's no cat that can come back to life. They ended up naming their cat Lazarus. There's no cat that can just come back to life. There's no person who can make that possible. But you know who can? God, the one who is life and the one who gives life. There is no life apart from God. He gives life and breath to everybody and Everything. And so these folks have called him an impostor. And if the resurrection doesn't happen, you know what? We sitting in this church talking about a hope. We're impostors too. It's just a fraud. We're living a lie. We're hoping some miracle like a cat walking up to the door happens. Oh, but there's the next, the next story. When we go to chapter 28, it says this. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. And so not as an imposter, not as a fraud, not as a somebody who could not accomplish this thing. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And one of the greatest snippets that I love in there is that when the angel comes, First, the stone is just rolling. He's just sitting there waiting. He's sitting on the stone waiting. And here these women come and he has a conversation. Says, Don't be afraid. He's not here. He's risen. But the words that catch my eye is, it says, just as he said. It's what he said would happen. Jesus, the one that you followed, the one that you endeared yourself to, the one that you love. And you had all your hope on him, even though he was dead. He's no longer dead. He is alive. Just as he said, he is the truth. You can take it to the bank. What he said will come true. And while others might call him imposter and why others think he's a fraud, there was no seal. There was no stone. There's no amount of guards that could hold him down in the grave. He is resurrected and he wants you to know that he's alive. So starting here, I want you to go and I want you to go tell his disciples that he is going to meet them because he is alive. Just as he said, nothing could hold him down. And so that's what he did. He went and he met his, with his disciples. And for 40 days, he showed himself and proved himself to be alive. Tells us in the book of Acts. And he taught them about the kingdom of God. But Look at this next story. Verse 11 says, while they're going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priest all that had taken place. And when they assembled with the elders and taken counsel, They gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. And so while the women are running away to go tell the truth, here, these other human beings Get together with their cronies and say, hey, like we got a problem that that tomb that we had guarded and sealed and stoned up. It's empty. Now, they didn't argue that fact. They didn't ever go argue and say, no, no, no. There's still a body in there. It was empty. What are they going to do? So instead. They come up with a story to say that his disciples are lying. That he's still an imposter. this isn't the one that you can trust. And they end up paying money to the guards and to anybody that they need to to bribe them to tell a lie. And going on from here, it says this concerning the meeting that he has with the disciples. In verse 16, it says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. Wouldn't you? When you saw Jesus died, he was stripped and beaten and crucified in front of your eyes. And now you've seen his risen body. He's let you still in Jerusalem come and see his wounds, even touch him if, if you wanted. And now you're meeting him in Galilee. And it says while they met with him on that hill that his disciples did what? Well, most anybody would do worship him. But we stopped short of the last phrase of the verse. Did you see that? Some of you did. You kept reading. and It says this, but. Some doubted. Some of them doubted. They're, they're standing on a hill with the risen Jesus, and some of them doubted why. Why? It's hard to believe. Even though they had walked and slept and listened and trailed with Jesus for three years as his disciples, him as the rabbi messiah and now risen savior they have witnessed all these things and yet they stand there in their humanity they say we worship you we know you're risen and we know that you're god that you die for our sins but there's something in us that just doubts is this for real are you are you telling us the truth What God has done from the beginning of the book to the end of the book, from the beginning of history to the end of history, as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, what we know about God is this, that he is absolutely the truth. And Jesus, he told the truth. He was no imposter. But he did exactly what the prophets and the scriptures said he would do. He fulfilled it. And he stood there in all truth saying, I am the one who loves you. So if you believe in me, you would not perish, but have eternal life. They doubted. So as we come to the story of the resurrection, we're looking at the life of Jesus and and all that he has done. And it wasn't just for those disciples. It was for people sitting in this room It's for you. That God will come to you and say, I love you so much that I put my my son on the cross. He died in your place. If you would just have faith in him and believe that that he, 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 he forgives you. He would forgive you. And he would come and he would take residence inside you by his Holy Spirit. And he would he would set you apart as holy. You will stand in his presence blameless and you will live with him forever. And he's involved in your life. He cares about everything that's going on. He cares about the things that you care about. But here's the reality. With God telling us all those truths and even in this story, Jesus telling the truth and fulfilling what the prophets had said, like we had heard earlier Out of Hosea chapter six. We still look at God and we say, I mostly believe you. Right, isn't isn't that a hard thing that we do? When Jesus, who is not an imposter, who did everything that he had said, who even stood on that mountain and said, hey, look, even though some of you doubt all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. You know what we still do? God, I don't trust you all the way. Any of you have that problem? I'll be the first one in this room to raise my hand. There there are times in my life when I have, and there are times in my life when I do in the present have issues with trusting Jesus all the way. I trust that he has forgiven me, but how about when I've been really bad? Any of you have that one? You just, you just feel like you have been so wicked and so awful that there's, there's no way God forgive, forgive, forgive all of that. Even though he says, I've taken your sin and I've forgiven you and I've taken it so far. It's like, I've cast it in the deepest part of the ocean. I put it upon my son. I paid for it all. That's why Jesus said it is finished. I paid it all. Do you trust him with that whole thing? Or do you think that he's partially an imposter? but did you trust him with all of your life and you asked him for forgiveness and so you know that he has got your eternity you know that that one day when he comes and he returns he's going to say hey you come out from the grave and he will take you and you will live with him for eternity but what about now when you're struggling with that thing that just seems overwhelming you can't get it off your mind it's like you trusted him enough to forgive your sins but can you trust him to deal with the pain Or is he just an imposter? There are things in your life that you can't control. Usually it's in other relationships where somebody is just aggravating you. They've offended you. You it just can't get right. You say, God, I need help in this situation, but I don't know. If, I don't know if I can trust you in all that. See, the astonishing thing isn't that Jesus will be good to his word. That's easy. He always will. The hard thing is that when we have seen God be so faithful that we would still in moments in our life say, I don't know that I can trust you. I don't know that I can put all my hope in you. And yet what Jesus has wanted to do is say, I got you completely. You can trust me all the way. You know how it feels when. Somebody looks at you or somebody says to you, I don't know that I can trust you. Have you had that? Somebody's like. Yeah, you're pretty good, but uh, there's just something. I think God feels. When we look at God with our hearts and our minds and our actions and we say. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. 10,000 reasons to sing your praises, just like we worshipped earlier. I've been redeemed, as we say. But Lord, there's just this one thing that I got against you. There's something that happened in the storm. There's something that's happening in this relationship or this area of my life, and I still hold it against you. I just can't go all the way with you there. Then we're no different. Than the people that went to Pilate and said, can't trust the word that he said, he's an imposter. The story of the resurrection is one who, because he was the truth and he had the power to back it up, that he went to the cross and he resurrected and said, how are you going to argue? How are you going to argue? I am back to show you my love and that I'm with you. I'm resurrected so that it won't just be a, a fantasy, but so that I can live with you for all of eternity. I love you that much. Please believe me. So this morning, as we close, what I I want you to do, it's it's easy to look around and think, well, other people are maybe struggling the same way I am with with this. But there may have been something identified in your heart that's like, you know, what everything else I trust, God, but this right now, I just can't seem to. I I want you to to do this. I want you to take it. And you might need to physically just almost hold that right here and, and say, this is my thing. Nobody else has to know exactly what that thing is, but here's my thing and I've got it. And you have to give it to him. You have to release it. That thing which you hold, the more you hold it back, the more you're actually saying to God, I can't trust you. The more that you're joining in with the voices that say, I think you're a fraud. The more that we say, I you know what? You must have just as much weakness as I have. He's not weak. He's mighty to save. He allows us to go through some of these things, but He is doing it for our good. And he, that thing that you have, this is the moment where there may not be an offering plate, but what you're about to do is you're going to offer it in prayer to the Lord. And you're going to say, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. For some of you, that may be for the first time in your life saying, Lord, I just need to trust you to forgive me. Today might be the first day that you ever feel forgiven. That you might enter into a true relationship with Jesus, not trying to play church, not trying to do religiousness, but to just say, Lord, please forgive me. I'm going to trust you with my heart. Please forgive me. For others, it's one of these things that we've mentioned it's a sickness, it's a family event, it's the storm, whatever it was, and you have this thing, and you just need to say, Lord, I trust you. I don't want to call you a liar. I want to believe. I don't want to be on the mountain in doubt. I want to be a worshiper who now is sent in your name to go and share about Jesus. But God, I have this thing. And the thing is this. You don't have enough strength in you as you hold that thing to offer it by your own strength to open those fingers of yours. You will remain with a death grip on that thing and it'll kill you. as we go to prayer, we're going to ask the Lord to release that thing that he would, by his Holy Spirit, give you the power to just say, Lord, I I believe that's what we're saying. I believe that you're the truth. I believe that you're good. I believe that you love me. I believe that you forgive me. I believe that you want to be involved in my life. And so, God, I take this thing by your spirit. I just say, Lord, here it is. I release it to you and I'm going to help me to trust you. Help me to trust you. Grow my faith. Let me believe. As we close this morning, I'm going to pray. and I'm going to invite you to stand as we do. And We're going to close in a song. And while that song is being sung, which speaks about trust in the Lord, I want to invite you, if you want to come down to the front, you're more than welcome to and you can release that thing. If, if you want to do it in your seat, you're welcome to do that. But you might need to physically almost just make that motion of I'm releasing it. If you see somebody next to you who's praying or maybe somebody out on the front, I want to invite you to come and pray with that person. We're we're called to take our burdens together and to carry them before the Lord. I'm going to call upon the deacons again, if you would, to come and to pray with people as well. But as we sing this song, peace, feel free not not to go to a place. You're not coming to a place at the front. You're not going staying at a place in your seat. You're coming to the risen Savior. You're coming to a person. Who just says, trust me. Will you trust Him this morning? Let's stand together as we pray.